hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. I'm Joey Clark. Welcome, 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 come one, come all to the Friday edition, another Friday edition of the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I think we're on episode 376 or something like that, 376 hours that I have either graced these airwaves or haunted these airwaves, depending on your perspective, I suppose. I know I'm a little touched, but touched by what? Who the hell knows? But because it's Friday, we can get a little weird and wild. I want to leave a lot of the Mueller crap behind because it's been driving me crazy. Oh, it's just... I always set these unrealistic expectations up for myself. That sometimes people will come to their own senses based on their own standards. But no, politics continues to be a dishonest game. But joining me this evening, as they've been joining me most of the week, we have first to my left... Seth Spotlow. Woo! And then right in front of me, right across from the desk, keep your feet to yourself, kind sir. Though you are quite a catch. Southernwood. Boing. All my life. Want to fight about it? In the George. Oh, you were in George oh, today. Those. With white athletic socks, but they're not ankle socks. They're riding up on top of that ankle a little bit. They're so short, I think I saw some. Well, well, well. Wait, you were in Daisy Dukes or George? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Lift that leg Those up. Those are George. Thank God. Nate <laughs> he threw that leg up in the air. Knee length. You know, I'm pretty hey, comfortable in my sexuality. My legs are long. I'm comfortable in my sexuality, but I don't want to see you in Daisy Dukes, all right, sir? I've already seen you in yoga pants. Joey, I know myself in... I don't want to see myself in Daisy Dukes. No. It's just I can something, assure you of that. Something you don't want to see. The hair. The hair. It's, I found Bigfoot. It's like when I'm naked, it looks like I have white shorts on. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get some sun, son. Wow. I do. Yeah. I mean, everything. But you got that, a like, backyard with a privacy. No, it's not a privacy that, fence. Though, but, right? I mean, like the three foot right here in the midsection. How right. am I supposed to tan that? Lay it on your side. A sock? And go use a tanning booth. Throw a sock get on. Get a spray on tan. <laughs> I don't know. I do. A I had spray a, on? Yeah, spray it on. Oh, man. When I sweat, it's going to run. <laughs> I had a guy who used to work for me, and, and we, we were close friends as well. And so we cooked out and we hung out together. And uh, but he's like you are, you and I. I mean, we're we're pretty dark skin yeah. uh, as far as quote unquote white dudes go. And and his wife, <laughs> he got married, and his wife says something about him one time. He says, "You know, he's so white mm-hmm. because I mean, he we got that red hue to us, and." He said, he's so white, though, if he's naked and he walks across the room, his 
behind glows in the dark it's so white <laughs> it is amazing yeah. yeah some people lack that pigment my own I, little tushy man never gets any sun yeah. no and, and when when i because i mean this is what i wear my jorts and i wear socks you got a jorts tan i do and so Are your like feet super white fourth of july and hairless every fourth of july i get the same lame ass joke clay Take your socks off. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> because it looks like I'm wearing socks. Because, right. I mean, I'm I'm just dark, dark, dark. You're redneck. Two. You got the redneck, but oh, you got the I white socks. You're, I guarantee you're you. almost like a tuxedo cat. Guarantee you my neck's red. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, no doubt. So, um, I found a story, and this story is brought to you by Four Healthy Pets. On the Atlanta Highway, the Village East Shopping Center right next to Fogner University. Tell Teresa that Joey sent you because they have incredible, high-quality, all-natural products, whether it's everyday food for your dog or your cat. They have grooming services. They also provide those great treats, whether it's the Meowawana, the cleverly named catnip, or the incredible chicken jerky, which mm-hmm. we have called chicken crack because dogs, cats, and human beings alike and well, really enjoy it. We do. And then also, they have great toys. Toys that won't get chewed up real quickly. Toys that won't make your dog sick, that aren't unhealthy for your dog. Um, again, it's all natural. The whole idea was started by Teresa for, um, well, a passion project that turned into a business. The love that she had for her pets, wanting to make sure they got healthy, high-quality food she wanted to share here with the River Region. So stop by for Healthy Pets. At the Atlanta Highway, the Village East Shopping Center, right next to Faulkner University. Again, tell her Joey said hi, or check them out online for HealthyPetsOnline.com. They should have monthly specials, all sorts of sweet deals going on at Four Healthy Pets. And the reason I bring them up is because of this story. Science has confirmed that dogs can recognize a bad person. Oh, yeah, man. They know it, man. Yeah, and I mean, I know because I walk up to dogs and they love me. Why do they know I'm a good person? The parent uh, parents don't, but they do. Why do we need science to prove that? Well, you, it just to uh, proof. Take the well. No, I think everybody's noticed. Like they can size somebody up pretty quick, mm-hmm. but it's like, how are they doing it? So you don't need science to know it, but you need science to kind of figure out. Well, how's this work? When you were little, did you ever get grounded? And then you would be sitting in your room, and you could kind of feel people walking by the door. Yeah, well, you can. Yeah, you can sense people. It's like when somebody's staring at you, and you can feel like somebody's looking at you. Yeah, I, I always uh, I wondered about that because I uh, maybe it's like a a magnetic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, or, maybe. I don't. I don't. I don't know how to. I can't answer that. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, when you're 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 standing in line at Walmart, ready to check out, and all of a sudden you're just like somebody's staring at me. And you turn 180 degrees around, and you're like, oh, hey, Seth, there you are, you know, mm-hmm. or that person's staring at me, even if it's somebody you don't know. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think animals have the same intuition, but... Better. I, and they could smell I don't you. think they, science would ever be able to explain that. Well, no, what they did, and these are just kind of, it's almost like psychological experiments for dogs. Like one scenario they put dogs through was a dog was present when a volunteer was helping someone trying to open a jar, you know, the pickle jar or something like that. 
in one case, the volunteer was passive, and in the other, they refused to help. When the scenarios played out, those same volunteers tried to give the dog a treat. The person who was passive was just as likely to give the dog a treat successfully as the person who helped open the jar. So if someone's just watching you struggle with a jar or somebody's, you know, actually helps, there wasn't much difference. If the volunteer was nice, though, it did add to the dog taking the treat more willingly. But if the person ignored the volunteer and was mean, didn't offer to help and kind of refused, the dog wouldn't take the treat most of the time. They didn't trust the jerk, so to speak. They pick up on those cues very quickly. And they, the way they try to explain it is dogs sort of have, since they were wolves, co-evolved with humans. In particular, one thing dogs do that I don't think any other animal does is they'll, they make eye contact. And they'll follow pointing motions. They'll take guides and they look at you. And so they're very attuned to human emotion and uh, nonverbal cues, so to speak. They said they can smell you before they see you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but they've and also that, developed, no other animal especially look will look at you and actually make eye contact. Right. Yeah, because even like a bad dog, we've had some bad dogs, and if you stare them in the eye, they'll, they would start backing up, and they're like, no, don't, don't be looking at me, dude. Don't be looking at me. All right, I'm fixing to come bite you. And that's the way they are. They they do make eye contact. I know that for a fact. Right. I want to know in this study, though, my question would be the person that's struggling with the pickle jar, mm -hmm. did the dog belong to that person? Or was it just two I don't believe ambiguous so. people? I think it's just two people. Well, it was a study. Well, so no, but the idea is a bunch crap. of different people. Well, no, there's, I mean, there's loyalty questions, I'm sure, if you bring in owners. Obviously, there's dominance questions. But... Uh, in general, they, they wanted, I think, people the dog had know to see how they picked up on cues. And they probably did this And they the can bunch. pick up... Uh, for instance, there's I take care of my Uncle Scott's dog occasionally when they go out of town and I watch their house. And if I put on wrestling, <laughs> like Macho Man's, you know, beating up Jake the Snake Roberts or Jake the Snake's got the cobra biting him. And Raleigh's her name. She's a little golden doodle. Like, it's a golden retriever poodle. More, what? more small poodle than big golden retriever. So it's a small dog. It's a, she's adorable. Not a dog. How much does it weigh? Um, it's a cat, technically. Okay. Less than 50 pounds. She's no, okay. about 15 to 20, I Continue. would guess. And, uh, but anytime I put on wrestling, she'll bark at the TV because she does not like violence. So if you go and, like, hug, like, my uh, cousin too tightly, or she's very protective of my cousin Annie. You hug her too tightly or something, she'll get real possessive. Like, hey, 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 and try to get in the middle of it. It's interesting how they pick up. We think it's just, you know, oh, we, we train the dog to do certain things, which you can obviously do. But they're, I think, uh, a lot wiser than that. Those, some dogs are just dumb, I would say. It, they, there are some of them that are. But there is something to what you're talking about because I think that dogs are the best breed of pets because they do have a loyalty and and they really we Lauren said something to me it was several months ago she was like look at this mm -hmm. they said dogs don't like hugs no every single morning no they do well, like hugs. Every single morning, we get up, and 
I'm the first one up. I sit in my chair and I'm drinking my coffee and Lauren will wake up and she'll come in about 30 minutes later. She'll sit on the couch and then Sophie is, and she's our big dog. English she's our, bulldog, right? She's uh, half English, half pit. Okay. I mean, she's so, she, but she's pretty standard. She's probably, a, you know, stout and adorable. She's not as stout as we wanted her to be. She's, yeah. She, she took more, not, not English, but American. She's more oh, American okay. than she is uh, pit. pit. Okay, I see. And, what, I know what you but, mean. But Flea will come out and and she will get up on the couch. And what's and Flea? That's her nickname. Oh, okay. I, I have nickname for my pets. Good and man, man, you got nicknames for everybody. About three or four of them. Uh, anyway, gets up on the couch. She and, gets up on the couch. And Flea will. She will sit there right in front of Lauren. And she will take her head and lay her head up on Lauren's shoulder until mm-hmm. until Lauren hugs her. Okay. Puts both arms around her, and she'll just sit there. And then it's like, okay, Sophie, you know, there's your hug. And you pet her, and, and she'll sit there. And she's the sweetest thing that you can imagine. When my children, if they open the door and walk outside... That dog will sit at the door and whine and squeal and squall until you open the door and let her go outside Mm -hmm. just so she can watch them to see where they are. The second they come back in, she comes back in. But she has, it is an emo, it is really weird, but that dog has an emotional attachment. Absolutely. To my family and anybody, and it, you and Seth, neither one have never come to my house. Y'all walk in. If I open the door, Sophie would just lick you to death. Right. You're, you're, if you lead the way. You're her best friend, period. And, it, I mean, it scares the crap out of the UPS man if they've got a substitute driver. He's like, dogs. oh, my God, this 70-pound dog. It's like, <laughs> no, I said, that's Sophie. You'll be fine. But they, they're they all different. But right. They Gimli do. didn't like, doesn't like Uggs. He likes to cuddle. He'll lay on you. But if you get down on his level and try to hug him around the neck, he don't like it. If you can completely be not scared at all when you see anybody's dog, that gives you a better chance. Oh, yes. I they mean, there's sense... always a chance that you're going to get bit no matter what. Well, they sense that anxiety, that fear. Yeah. They sense if you, they're testing you, too. Oh. Are you a pushover? Can I intimidate this person? Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, if you're like, come here, you know, hang out right. with me. I'll pet you. It's all good. Don't buy me. Well, and some <laughs> of the smart, I mentioned dogs can be dumb, but some of the smartest dogs play dumb. Oh, yeah. Gimli does this, where essentially, you know, I, I want the humans to do stuff for me. Uh-huh. Get out of my seat. Remember that? Right. When right. I came over there that, and he was there, mm-hmm. sat in his seat, wouldn't even sit down he, right no. until I got up. He was not happy with you. Yeah. He it looked was his at little me. island in our, our tiny house. He, uh-huh. he was not happy uh-huh. with you. I got up, and he sat right where I was. But then I have a, a story of a mog. You know, mog? Half man, half dog? Somebody who's usually their own best friend? <sighs> But John Candy was... Uh, <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have seen that. You know, Spaceballs. John Candy was a, a good mog. He, you know, did things that he was told. Good dog. Good mog. But uh, a Florida college student, because it's always a Florida man. Okay, before you get deep into this, can I say one little cat fact for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference between a lion and a cat is that they can... Um, cats, they either purr or they roar. They don't do both. Hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So, cats... Yeah, they either purr or roar. 
Okay, they so don't do both. That's the difference. I don't. I don't well, think I agree with that. I've no, it's not. It's not agreed. No, I learned that this morning on random facts, and Jay is always. Yeah, right. don't you dare question Jay. Scott. Yeah, you got well, that right. You even what. got <laughs> random morbid facts. But no, no. Back to the okay, story. Yeah, it's a Florida college student, and a forensic psychologist says after talking to this young Florida man that he believes he was half dog, half man when he fatally attacked a man and woman at their home and was found biting one of their faces. The Palm Beach Post reports Dr. Philip Resnick made the conclusion in a 38-page mental health report released this week. Investigators said they found Austin Haruf. <laughs> Wait, well, Smell that again? Time, time out, time out. Austin whom? Haruf? Haruf? <laughs> it's spelled H-A-R-R-O-U-F-F <laughs> Come on, dude Oh, well, he's now 22 Biting John Stevens' face While making growling noises I wonder where the newspaper was August 15th, 2016 That's unreal I'm thinking that's not his Christian name Resnick's report, the psychologist's report, says the fact that Haruf persisted in biting Stevens in the presence of police officers in spite of threats of being shot, being tased, and receiving multiple kicks to the head, there's your newspaper for you, suggested that Mr. Haruf was actively psychotic. Yeah, I think so. You reckon? What drug was he on? Uh, They're going to give him an insanity defense. LSD or crack cocaine? Yeah, well, maybe he's just messed up, man. LSD or crack. You never know these days. Like, there's some weird stuff out there. Dude, man. Adderall. That's what. Uh huh. If, and, and I mean, I'm not in the legal business, not a judge. You come to me and say your name is Haruf <laughs> and you have legally changed it and tell me that you're biting this dude in the face for. Because I'm a mog. I'm a mog. I'm half man, half dog. That was his real name. I bet it was like German or something. I don't care what the reason is. You're going to the crazy farm. I'm telling you, you got issues. Period. End of story. Is it similar to the farm they they took my my childhood dog? When it had it, she had lived her... No, that 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 little childhood dog that you had, mm-hmm. it, it goes down like I know where it is because you I, do. I, yeah, I've, I had several dogs that that went to live. Now hold on, I live on a farm. Why did we take our dog to another farm? Is what maybe I'm it was a better farm away from the you know icky cows. Must be a special farm. Must be <laughs> that they go to. <laughs> I'd love if you know where it is. I'd love to go visit Nike. It was a beagle. With a, we named it Nike because it had a, a literally a, the black coat on the top of the back, and then there was a white mark that was a Nike swoosh. Like it was just, well, we're gonna have to call her that because it was. It wasn't like, oh, we're seeing it, we're looking to. No, it was a Nike swoosh. It was like, okay, that's pretty cool. It stayed there, <laughs> and it stayed there as she grew older. We were a little worried about that, but nope, stayed right there. I had a cat once that when it stood perfect with his paws right in front of it, it had a light, nice little upside-down triangle. Yeah. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I got to get a cat. I'm thinking I'm going with a cat because I've always had dogs. I really have always had dogs. Joey. I'm going to tell Chad Moore as you're shaking your head. <coughs> sorry, boy. Your cat go, is not going to act kindly when I tell him 
what you've been up to. Yeah. You I mean, all you've been praising Flea, but you, you talk bad about Chad Morris. Uh-huh. No, Chad, Chad Morris He's is gonna cool. He's going to drop you from his insurance. But Chad's not your everyday normal cat. He mm. is different. They're all jerks, he's, man. He's no, not special because he's mean to you. Let me rephrase that. The way we talk about our children now. He's special. <laughs> is what Chad Morris is. He's special. I mean, he's got some disabilities, but... People he, say the same thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's cool. He's touched, right? Yeah. That's, mom, that's mom and dad. That's Emily and Eric. They've turned Definitely into mom and dad. touched. <laughs> no, he's cool. He really is. Fell off the refrigerator one too many times. No, he never fell off the refrigerator. He just... He was... I found him in a flower bed... And the poor little fella, he fit in my pocket of my work shirt is how tiny he was. And he had been abandoned. He had no chance in life. He was the run of the litter, uh, uh, the son of a feral cat. Uh, and seriously, I mean, it's just some prostitute's child that I took in and adopted is what it was. How Christian of you. How Samaritan of you. He has these stories for and everything. And he looked at me with longing eyes and like, one tear. keep me alive. We bottle fed a flipping cat that I found in a flower bed in the middle of town and he came around we got him hydrated, and he's a grown cat now. And he sells insurance. Chad Morris. Now. <laughs> insurance angel. Here's the problem. Chad wants a girlfriend now. Oh. oh you didn't fix him. Okay. How could, what? He doesn't you, just want a girlfriend. Is he trying to get people? Nature is taking over. Oh. And it's causing issues. Yeah. Ooh, I bet it stinks, too. Mm-hmm, just like that, all over the walls. He has a hard time distinguishing between, like, uh, stuffed animals <laughs> and a real you know, living cat. I'm going to have to cut you off here, Southernwood. I love you, man. But I don't want to hear about your cat's sex life. Thank you. Well, you... Uh, no. No, no, we're out of time. If I can't this, get none, neither can your cat. We're out of time have. for this segment. We'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. Well, the Auburn, North Carolina game has begun. And, you know, I'll give you a little behind-the-scenes, folks. We'd like to share what our uh, sponsors do. And this is actually how Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group wakes up every morning. You're telling a lie. Really? He does not sing this song. Well, I mean. I bet he does. Not in this recording. I'm just saying it's one of his favorites. Is this him singing? No. Oh. 
this is Susanna singing. I wasn't surprised. We'll, I mean, we'll have to get Eddie Bader into the studio here to decide what does his singing voice actually sound like. But one thing is for certain. The man loves pizza. The man likes to have a cold glass of beer with that pizza. But he's also a damn good real estate agent. All around great real estate agent and great guy. But what's really important here is if you're looking to buy or sell a home... Eddie Bader could help you with either. He's helped me as a potential first-time home buyer understand, you know, here's the, th- the steps you need to take, the things you need to look out for when it comes to buying a home, especially when it's your first time, or if you're looking to sell that place. You know, there's all sorts of things that you may not know, like renovations you might need to do or repairs you need to do before you even put it on the market so it gets top dollar out there and leaves the market quickly. And another way to get it off the market quickly, successful open houses. And Eddie Bader knows how to pull those off as well. He really changed his own life by investing in real estate, having helped people buy and sell, and also having helped manage properties of his own. He knows of all the the great things that come with a home and also some of the headaches, but that's why you need an expert like Eddie Bader to help you find the great things and get through the headaches. So if you're, again, looking to buy or sell a home, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. His number is 322-0662. Again, what is that number, Seth? 322-0662. Yeah. 322-0662. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. So we've got about 26, mm. 27, or no, more like 25 shopping. Turn that left. off. Oh, right now Look we do it. have the Auburn-North Carolina game on with uh, 16 and a half minutes about left in the first half. And, uh, we and have who's leading? Auburn's winning 10 to 9. Yeah, and I'm the only I one think here that doesn't care. Is, I think it's 12 to 9. I think oh, just, yeah, Auburn just scored. Cool. Ran them off the court. Am I going to shut this off or you're not going to be able to pay attention? You're going to have to shut it off. I just because shut it I off. Can't, I am one of the th- probably three people. Who can't in, walk and chew bubble gum. No. In the city of Montgomery, my favorite sport by far, no questions asked, baseball. is basketball. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge Auburn fan, and I can't even concentrate. No, when, when you watch playing. these games, do you uh, you know put back a little brewski? Sure, of course. Right. And when I don't watch the game, pay homage. Yeah, pay homage to Bukowski there. Like you know, put uh, one down. Rise, you know, let let the Dionysian craze take over you. Yeah, no. See I what the night brings. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't get hammered because you can't get hammered and uh, watch them. Right, you can't remember the game. You can't get hammered day. when you're drunk all the time. I actually, when I went up to that bachelor party in D.C., we watched. We went to, unfortunately, but the, it was the guy getting married. He was, went to Alabama. And everybody else other than me went to Alabama. And I was the lonely Auburn fan, so we went to an Alabama bar in D.C. for the first game of last year. And it was fun. I have to say, it was a great time. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember much of the game. And it wasn't because I got, you know, you know, blanked out of my mind. It was more, uh, there was so much going on in front of me. Like conversations and yeah, food yeah, coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it's hard to really sit and watch a game. Um, but here's the thing. We, I think we've all, unless you've been a teetotaler like our dear president of the United States, uh, where you've experienced the aftermath. If you have too much fun, you're going to have a terrible, terrible hangover. And it's not just the headache. It, to me, it's more like it's your the, body isn't, like the neurons aren't firing yeah. in your brain correctly. Yeah, like, I mean, there's a price to pay for stuff like that. And plus, you don't remember... 
if you really had a good time or I think a lot of times you hear people say, oh, man, we just really had a dynamite time last night. You don't know if we did or not. Uh, if you don't you, remember, it didn't happen. Somebody put something in your drink and you right. were asleep, on, you know, up by the stage with right. the band playing. Right. You don't that's know what it did. <laughs> yeah, that's happened to me. I fall asleep easily when I drink to excess. So I, I don't do it anymore. Not often. I mean, I'm not saying it will never happen again. It probably will. But here's the thing. You mentioned this to me, Mr. Spotlow, I mm. believe yesterday or the day before. The good news oh, is yeah. that hangovers may be a thing of the past. According to researchers, synthetic alcohol that provides the buzz drunk effects without the after effects of a hangover could be available to purchase within the next five years. Wait, don't start knocking it, Grandpa. The man behind this magical elixir is David Nutt. <laughs> okay, Beavis and Butthead. All right, so we, we had a Mog <laughs> whose last name was Arf. Haruff. Mr. Wood, we're talking about Mr. Nut. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm just making sure that I'm writing down notes over here, and I just want to make sure I got everything straight. Nut is someone you may have heard of. He used to be the U.K. government's drugs advisor, but was promptly sacked (laughs) when he argued horse riding. (laughs) One serious adverse effect per every 350 exposures was more dangerous than taking ecstasy. So this is what I love. Like an informed guy on a lot of these issues, he is. What was his name? Uh, he was Nutt. the government advisor. He was essentially a drug czar. Mister Nutt was a drug czar, <laughs> and he argued that horse riding is more dangerous than taking ecstasy. And that's okay. why Mister Nutt was sacked. Afterward, he published an investigation in the Lancet, <laughs> concluding booze is more harmful than heroin and crack. I agree. The industry knows alcohol is toxic, a toxic substance, Nut told The Guardian in an interview. If I were discovered today, if it were discovered today, it would be illegal as a foodstuff. The safe limit of alcohol, if you apply food standards criteria, would be one glass of wine a year. Wow. Not hmm. that he, maybe our food standards aren't quite that great. Sometimes people like to take substances that, you know, alter their experience. (gasps) I know that's not in good standing. I heard an interesting conversation earlier today. I kept my mouth shut about marijuana legalization, and I'll just say all the... Here's my point. To legalize marijuana, the argument isn't that marijuana is always and everywhere amazing and right for everybody. It's not. There are some downsides, obviously. Now, you'll see, I think, all these scare reports coming out of Colorado and whatnot. Again, it's not utopia. But the reason I want cannabis, marijuana, the wacky-backy, that left-handed tobacco, the devil's lettuce, that good, good, sticky of the ickiest, legalized, is because my problem is with the prohibition regime. The war against pot, ladies and gentlemen, has been lost. Now, obviously, when you have lost a war, it doesn't mean you've stopped fighting. Sometimes people keep fighting and fighting and fighting like several Japanese soldiers all the way into the 70s after World War II. Mm -hmm. But the war is lost. And I'm not talking about legalization in Canada or other states. I'm talking about the fact that could you, today in Alabama, easily purchase cannabis uh, yes no. and has it been that way for uh, decades uh yes yeah so the war's lost 
if the whole idea of the government policy is to stop people from doing this thing and to tamp down on it and the market for it, the war has been lost for a while. And I'm not saying everybody should go out and smoke it. I'm not saying there shouldn't be some common sense rules when it comes to the consumption of it. But <laughs> the current prohibition regime is bad government policy. It ends up costing the government money. If you want to just look at dollars and cents, follow the number. It costs the government money. And it is it is anti-theatical the way that it works. It is easier, easier for a 14-year-old child to buy weed than it is for a 14-year-old child to buy tobacco yep. or a beer. Well, and you can make... I, uh, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that in, in right. to be hyperbolic. It is easier to right. find weed than it is alcohol or freaking tobacco. Well, and I would advise, if you're a young teenager and you're trying to you know go for the forbidden fruit... Uh, I mean, go have sex instead. Like it's no, Work don't do it. that. Don't listen. Gel on your shoulders. Don't listen to Uncle Thirty Year Old Joey. That's just weird. That's creepy. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Don't give in to your normal urges. That's not allowed. No, wait till marriage, as we talked about the other night. Wear a condom. Right. Something like, safe. Be safe. Be Jeez, responsible. Y'all are killing me to death. Be safe. safe. Be killing responsible. Me to death. That's kind of the point, Southern Wood. Anyway, <laughs> back to synthetic alcohol. Now, there is a forbidden fruit aspect. I've heard an argument for legalization in that this person has seen the, the you know, rebellious thing to do, has gone from drinking some beers with your friends in the parking lot, which I'm sure that still goes on, too. I did it. To uh, now people are smoking pot early and young. And it's because I think it's got this cool factor in the culture. It's another part of how the war on pot has been lost. It's everywhere in the culture. Like, it is pervasive, and we're talking about a lot more than Cheech and Chong. I mean, it's becoming a big, booming industry. Again, the Great White North has already legalized it, but the loss is that on the government's own terms of why they prohibit this stuff, they're losing, and have been losing, and wasting a lot of money in losing. Even if it's a good cause, I don't think it is, but even if it's a good cause and well-intentioned, you're losing. And it goes back to something I can't stand, is that whatever happened in the 60s and the 70s, the idea of the counterculture and the hippies against you know the the silent majority and the the you know straight laced culture the responsible culture and that whole war and drugs got thrown into the mix as part of that I think identity politics struggle is a shame because it would have been better to treat whatever substance with a scientific perspective and with our basic moral and political standards of individual liberty and individual responsibility including if you do something stupid you should be one pay and if you do something somebody else you should pay a very heavy cost but anyway back to synthetic alcohol also called alcosin synth alcosynth sounds like a new genre uh, of music uh, yes it does it came out of wrong. the 80s right next to acid wrong wrong Okay. Wait, wait. No, let's. Uh, Alcosynth essentially is being developed by Mr. Nutt. And the idea being it offers all the relaxing and socially lubricating effects of alcohol without any of the withdrawal symptoms or health problems. That is asking for trouble. Right. I agree. It comes with the added benefit of preventing you from getting absolutely paralytic. Instead, drinkers will be able to enjoy a prolonged buzz and everlasting state of tippy, tipsiness. 
The plan is to design a quote-unquote peak effect that would mean that no matter how much allocorel, that's another name for it, you took, you would not surpass that peak. That's interesting. If they could pull it off, that's interesting. So maybe it even prevents you from getting to that blackout state. You just stay gently stewed or buzzed. So that could be interesting. I hope so, man, because that's, I mean, they're... <laughs> Either it's going to create a bunch of people that drink 24-7, or hopefully it will save. Because one of the reasons I quit drinking was because I would get to that level. And everybody around me had fun. I woke up under my coffee table, and it's just like half a parts, random parts of my brain would just shut off. And then this guy that is in there would come out. And, you know... Mm, Right. I I think Seth makes a dynamite point right there. And I stopped because I felt bad. Right. And that's what is scary about what you're talking about Mm -hmm. here, Mr. Nuts over here that's come up with this deal, is you don't suffer that consequence. If you never suffered that consequence of waking up going, you know what, I'm sick and tired of this crap, Feeling the way that I do, we've all, everybody, probably most likely that's listening, has woken up one morning going, man, I drank too much last night. And you feel the consequences. It's called a hangover. And that's why you don't continue to do that mm-hmm. constantly, all day, every day. You don't do it day in, day out. Well, let me. And if you don't feel those consequences, right. then you're, you're just going to get into that high state and you're going to be living out there. Let me get into the science a little bit because it gets interesting. There are 15 GABA receptors subtypes in different parts of the brain. While normal alcohol as Nut says is promiscuous and will take to them all like alcohol we currently consume, AlcoSense can be developed to bind to specific receptors producing different effects. One type might be a party drink. Another might be more appropriate for a business lunch or a night with the in-laws for example. And, I mean, they're still trying to iron out a lot of things, this is, but they just got a lot of seed funding. That's why it's in the news. And it's always been kind of compared to, like, alchemy or getting to Mars. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to create an alcohol where it doesn't hurt you. And, I, and that's where your concern's coming from. Like, yeah, it's, it's very concerning. A right. A different strain, man. Because you're altering your state with no consequences for what you're doing. And so you're living in a constant state of that you're... There could be other consequences, though. Oh yeah. Well, and I'm not social even, consequences. I, if you're always taking the party de- drink derivative of this synthetic alcohol, and people don't want to be around you because you're never in your right mind, that's a consequence. And but I'm going to the nth degree. That's where alcohol. You get to the point with it is I'm fixing to kill myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy my body. I ain't talking about commit suicide, but I'm going to destroy my body. It's slow. Destroy suicide, my family. Yeah. I'm going to run everybody off. But at least you have that consequence every morning when you wake up that, man, I feel like crap. And you have that feeling. You invent something like this where you can get that drunk all day, every day, and you wake up in the morning and you're ready to run and go Mm -hmm. and you just start right over again, then you're not learning anything. And we don't learn stuff if they're not consequences. This is Sesame Street 
Well, there's still consequences, but maybe not the complete negative consequences. Well, not the other personal consequences as far as the physical, physical side goes. Right. Well, maybe this is a good way to weed out the idiots. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that idea. How would we weed out the idiots with it? Oh, okay. it's going to do it to... They're going to do it themselves. Right. Yeah, they're just going to keep drinking and drinking and drinking, and eventually they're going to dry up. The best way you can weed out the idiots is do away with OSHA. <laughs> do away with it. Do away with it. Survival of the fittest. Hey, look here. In my business, I have to put tape on wires mm-hmm. to tell you whether that's a hot wire or a grounded wire. You're supposed to know Hey, that. you should, but if you don't put it on there, hey, you touch the wrong wire, you're toast. You're gone. You should know. If you don't know. Check it. That's that's my point. That's survival of the fittest. We <laughs> have made things through Sesame Street. Right. Once again, we've made things so safe that we're trying to make it impossible for you to hurt yourself. Did you have a helmet when you rode your bicycle down the road? Uh, as a young, for the most part. Okay, you sometimes were, I didn't. God, you were way no. too young. Ever no, had a helmet? no helmet, no brakes. I didn't. I <laughs> never even. We laughed at people that had helmets oh, and yeah. knee pads on. I already got beat up. I never enough. wore knee pads. You know that was a different. And time the helmet life. was a demand by my mother. But now you've got to have a dadgum. Oh. I mean, see, you're looked at as a bad parent if you let your child get out there and they don't have if they're not wrapped in bubble wrap, mm-hmm. driving down the road on a bicycle with like sixteen outriggers on it. Then you're a terrible parent. No, that's how you learn how to ride a bicycle. Right. I never had training wheels. You got on the bicycle. So what about these girly men who wear these things called shoulder pads and jorts and have these concussion protocols? How you know having a your bell rung builds character, Southernwood? No, it doesn't. (laughs) I go back trying to protect these namby bamby quarterbacks. From getting hit like real footballs. Nobody all about. needs to oh, remember and, that stuff. Now I don't like that, but but going into like the that protocol and things that have happened, and and uh, one of my favorite people in the world, a dear friend of mine, right. Pat Dye, he his exact words were, "Take their face mask off. Hmm. You take the face mask off helmets, and you'll get rid of all these vicious hits because yeah. you're." putting yourself in danger. Well, that's actually a brilliant point, because most of the times when I got my bell rung, it's when it, I hit face mask to face mask with somebody. Really? Yeah. I never played football, so I don't know. I was yeah, that boy. was, that's usually when, and, on, and it was usually on kickoffs, which they've, I guess, you know, given incentive so there not to kick the ball off. No face mask with just a helmet. You have less. You would protect your face just instinctually. Oh, so that's what that's where some some crazy dudes who've been through some stuff maybe wouldn't. Like there's one guy I knew who was on our team who would like go tackle people without any pads on, who did have pads. Like he just had no sense or just didn't care. Yeah, and you're always going to have that person. But if there's if there's an equal amount of pain for what I'm fixing to inflict on you, right? Then I'm gonna think twice about the way that I inflict that pain. I'm gonna be like, nah, I'll just maybe I'll just tackle Seth. I'll hit him around his waist, cut his legs out mm-hmm. from under him, and take him down instead of 
trying to dive bomb him straight in the head because I've got this helmet with this Mr. Sandman cushion on top of it, and I can just hit him, and I won't hardly even feel it. And if I hit you in the side of the head, now I'm causing damage to you. But if we both had leather helmets on, I'd be like, I don't think I want to hit him in the head. Right, exactly. <laughs> Looks like he's got a hard head. No, but I don't know if the... It, we'll see as the synthetic alcohol develops. Because it sounds interesting to me that scary, they could... Scary, man. Yeah, That's but scary. they could target particular receptors. It wouldn't be like normal alcohol in any way. <clears throat> like always it, somebody's going to take it over the limit. Well, sure. I mean, there are people that eat too much cake. Yeah. Or too much yeah, cheese, and, too. And, I mean, that it's any... This is what I find interesting about... Drugs or alcohol conversations or cigarettes or whatever. Like, I think most of the time, people who engage too much know they engage too much. Yeah. There's some people who are in denial, but yeah, if you really get down to it with people, they know. Like, what's the, uh, the old Aussie song? Uh, Wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker. Suicide is slow with liquor. I mean... It, it also goes hand, addiction goes and we've talked about this goes hand in hand with a psychological state uh, sometimes it's self-medication or somebody doesn't want to go get help in a more responsible productive sense more so times they, than not I would so, say so yeah if you're really depressed you drink it alone it is a form of self-medication and I try not to judge people like that just full stop mm -hmm. because there's something else going on there the, that you would do that. That's not fun. That's just you holding on by a thread. I, I get that. But, um, but so. see, that's my and argument when, is something like this. It gives you the ability to have that feeling that you're medicating yourself. Right. But you're not suffering the consequences of stumbling into work the next morning. The next morning, you mean you're wide open at work and nobody notices. It, it's a bad thing because you're not addressing the reason that you're doing that. Mm -hmm. If you're going to drink that much, if you if you drink so much that you need a form of alcohol that will get you liquored up, high, drunk, whatever you term you want to use, gently stewed, <laughs> hammered. If you need something like that that does not affect you the next day. There's something internally wrong with you. Now, wait. You've once, never partied hard. Once is fine. You once? go out. You you've have, only you've only been hungover once in your life. No, what I'm saying, once as in one life, is Friday night when we get through with the show. If Seth and I want to go out and get hammered and get just slobber knockered, right? <laughs> we're gonna wake up in the morning and we're gonna feel like crap, and it's gonna be like, ugh. And tomorrow, hey, you want a beer? No, uh-uh. We got no, slobber knockered last night. I am not doing that again. But if, if you've got a way to get to that point and you wake up the next morning and go, hey, I'm fixing to go out and tell my garden, hey, Seth, you want to come out here and help me plant my garden? Hell yeah, I'm right there. I'm with you, man. And we're out there and it's like, hey, let's go get... Mm, I almost said the word. Yeah. Let's get messed up again tonight. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. It's, it becomes a drug, a, a serious drug at that point. It turns in into heroin. Opinion. No, but again, all those drugs have immense consequences physically. But so is this one going to. I think more That's people are going to That's my argument, doing. Joey. Is but you will never know until it but happens. But people still do those drugs right. that have immense consequences. Doctor, and die at a certain point, yeah. a lot of them. Dr. D's here. He's talking about he's creating... Doc, no, Dr. Nutt. <laughs> 
Not Dr. D. Yeah. Not D's? Yeah. yeah. No. D's? Oh, nuts. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, nut. Not, a, nut. not plural. Oh, okay. Yeah, he called you. The, uh, but that's what he's, he's proposing here in this mm-hmm. is... You can you can get that feeling with no consequences to it, and you've got to have consequences to your actions. I it's dangerous. There will I, be to me. It's We're dangerous. You're gonna get a phone call from <laughs> Doctor Nut. Right. I know, and no doubt. I think if I get where you're coming from, I, I think if you try to nerf the world, you know, and put soft foam and padding on every corner that you could potentially hit your head on. If you try to make the world completely just immune keep their head harder until from negative consequences, I see where you're coming from. But there's also, I think, a drive generally as we try to make things more convenient and more comfortable for people. When this is a, I mean, the desire to drink and loosen up a little bit and kind of enjoy yourself without being so self-conscious is goes back, I don't know, that's at the beginning. We talked about that this week, too. See, and if you just sit back and have a few drinks and enjoy yourself, you don't need the liquor that doesn't give you a hangover because you're not going to have a hangover because you did the responsible thing. Mm-hmm. So this is going to make it so you can go and take it to the next level. You can go get hammered for five or six hours, pounding shots, wake up the next day and be fine. You'll never really know until it happens. But it makes me, it makes, brings the idea of the powdered alcohol. Oh, that stuff I think was very dangerous. Too concentrated. Really? Yeah. Way too concentrated. Yeah, that was some well, bad stuff. Was it there. ever? Did it ever get out on the streets? Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. Because it was too concentrated. There's oh, no man. way you're taking a small amount of that stuff. Oh, and yeah. That's actually and you know I it's going to get snorted. It's where I do draw the line. If somebody's going to you know, market something as a product, oh. essentially, I'm like if I, if I put something Parachute. out like that is a substance that can alter somebody's state of mind. You know, if they're marketing something and it. It's going to kill people. Nine times out of ten, you're selling literal poison. I'm not talking about something where you develop a long-term habit and you're doing it too much. Again, like an alcoholic. But I, I mean, like, you take it once, you die. And it's a bit of an issue. And again, I'm not talking about an outlier. Like, somebody's got a weird family history and weird genetics, and this one particular thing interacts with them, but nobody knew that. And you're talking about propofol. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. That, that alcohol with no hangover, like... I mean, I'm an alcoholic, man. I mean, if me or, me or Greg got a hold of that stuff, it would be over. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, it's just how it is because that, the only down effect for what we were getting out of it is gone. Well, it's a common theme of this show, though. Personal responsibility. Yeah. And if you know yeah. that about yourself, and you know this, yeah. don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Be an adult. There are other people who can okay. and enjoy it and takes all types. The synthetic part bothers me as much as anything. 